podcast. This is a conversational podcast about what we are reading. We want it to feel like you have rolled up a chair around the reference desk and are part of the discussions we have here every day around books. Today we had the very difficult task of constraining ourselves to talk about just a few of the books we read during the break between season two and three, which we missed greatly doing. I really miss doing this. Yes. So how about Christina? You have a lot to talk about. I'll have you introduce first. Yes. I'm Christina. I work at the Richfield branch and I have gotten very into equipment we got new equipment, which is so exciting, and it's really, really wonderful. Um, but it has a lot of um, new knobs and buttons and things that it's able to do, and, and so it it's looks been official. a real crash course. It's uh, I'm I'm channeling my father. My father uh, ran a video production company for a while, and I I remember a lot of this sort of thing, and I'm like. I just kept thinking, like, you can do this. Like, you've seen Dad do this. Like, Thanks, Figure Dad. it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've definitely been channeling my inner Rondé. All right. Who is this? Hello, everyone. <gasps> A new voice. <laughs> my name's Catherine. Please call me Kat. Um, I am the new adult services librarian at Richfield Branch. Um, so I am extremely excited to be here, and I do not have anything as exciting as Christina had to mention. Oh, um, The c- equipment is, like, the coolest ever. So pro. <laughs> <laughs> she only came from Hawaii and is now encountering, like, three snowstorms, but she has nothing yeah. to say. Actually, that is an excellent point. It is beautiful because I love snow, and when I have visited, because I grew up in Ohio, when I visited in the past, there was never snow, and it was so sad. And then the second I would leave, my mother would be texting me going, oh, look, snow, and this has been like a real winter. It's been terrifying because you forget how to drive on snow. So I actually went to, I just have to give a shout out to the Metro Parks. Once they once they plow their parking lots a bit, I actually went in there with my car because no one else Did you was do there. donuts? Yes, to like see how my car would work when I braked because I was so scared. I mean, I drove home at like 25 miles per hour everyone was furious with me when it snowed one day and I was so I was so scared that I was going to slide 303 doing 25 <laughs> yes it was terrible I'm sorry to everyone who was stuck behind me <laughs> like it's been seven years um so yes I love snow and I'm really excited obviously to be doing a podcast because this is my first ever podcast that I've been part of so I am both scared but also extremely excited and narrowing down the book pile was indeed very hard I have three in front of me which is way better than the 16 I had originally Um, and I'm looking at them and I'm like I'm only going to mention two because I heck I have self-restraint so yeah you do have a stack here so yeah Um, my name is Jen I am the teen librarian and branch manager I love to read the teen books um, but lately I've been focused on workplace trends and the great uh, resignation and um, so those are some of the things I've been reading but I won't well one of my books will touch on that but I'll get to that in a minute so what are we all reading we had to really constrain ourselves because it's been a couple weeks and to each of us we go through how many in a week five would you say oh goodness and we look at how many so this was really hard to like pick it's really hard to pick yeah it was I was like, I have nowhere to go, excuses, books, and then I felt terrible because it was just like, I mean, it was like 50 holds, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I read 40 of them, so. <laughs> for you. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I was just like, I was like, ad hold, ad hold, ad hold, and then they just kept coming and coming and coming. 
<laughs> well, Christina, you and I talked about that. Like we started to pick books just for the podcast. Like I got to think about what I really want to talk about. And I, I like that. I like having that challenge. Yes. I started realizing that I was, if I got about a chapter or two in and I thought, oh, I don't really want to talk about this on the podcast, I would not read the book. So I've been trying to not do that. I've been trying to say like, it's okay. Read things that make you uncomfortable or, you know, you don't, A, you don't have to talk about everything you read. And right. B, it's okay to like not like something and still talk about it on the yes, podcast. But it's hard. it's weird because I definitely like when we originally talked about starting the podcast, we thought, oh, you know, it's going to be books that we're reading and it do- it's not promotional. So it doesn't really matter if you like them. And then I've slowly kind of <laughs> reversed that. So I'm trying, I'm trying to turn back into like, no, just let it be what it is. Just anything that catches your eye, it's okay. Yeah. I think it's hard because we talked about things that are coming across the desk that we wanted to highlight. And there's so many things, not only that I'm seeing pop up, um, but what patrons are returning. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, someone returned a Crayola book and I'll get into, I won't talk about that one today, but I'm like, ooh. You know, so yes. that one spiked my interest. I'm like, no, constrain, constrain yourself. Well, and that's been a, a thing too, is we're, we're getting new books now. It seemed like for a while, it was kind of nice. People were kind of getting back into like deep, the deep cuts for with the pandemic of like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to read this and now I finally yes. have more time on my hands or couldn't get a hold of the new thing. So it, it definitely, what people were returning was so weird and wonderful. Oh yes, I agree. But the uptick of new books has been really nice, too. So <laughs> They're all so beautiful. We're getting so many beautiful, huge books of art books and, of course, the poetry books. Oh. So it's, it's difficult. Up. It is, and I, it's just it's really sad. I just, I, 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 like, lug them into my house. I mean, it's like big bags full. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, my sister-in-law was like, do you read all those? And I was like, I actually do read 90% of them. Is that bad? <laughs> Is that bad? I'm not it's sure. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good for everyone here. Well, who wants to go first? Because I keep, I'm looking at your books across the way. So who wants to? I'm actually curious yeah. about Christina's book, to be honest. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, in the spirit of not being sure that I totally, you know, that these aren't endorsements. Just because we're talking about it, it's not an endorsement. This is what we're reading, and we're just talking about what we're reading. I read, I read so many fantastic books over break, and they all kind of run together and were beautiful and specific and wonderful. And then there was Crossroads. <laughs> and then, <laughs> He's outside the Venn diagram. <laughs> and I've mentioned before, I have... Mm, feelings about Jonathan Franzen that are less than positive. I think because he's so universally, you know, he's one of those kind of snobby, like, oh, like trendy lit. Mm -hmm. You just imagine people with like a New Yorker magazine tote bag and they pull their Franzen out. Okay. (laughs) And I think that, (laughs) I think that's the real me. (laughs) <laughs> and I think I'm embarrassed about it. Oh. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, like, oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, this is me. <laughs> so all, all, the right, characters, real all the characters in this book are unlikable. They're so cringy. Oh. 
It's like they're very relatable. It's relatably cringy, but it's cringy. It's like the part of yourself that you don't want to relate to or think about or think about other people having. <laughs> and every single kid, it's a whole family of them. That's so, intriguing. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, Russ Hildebrandt is a youth, as a pastor in the, like the 70s. And it's his wife, Marion, his oldest son, Clem, his daughter, Becky, and uh, then two sons, and they kind of really don't do anything with the youngest son, but the, the one son, Perry, is mentally ill, and no one is paying attention to him because they're all so wrapped up in their own little world. What? Yeah. So Russ and Marion's relationship is falling apart, and they're being children about it, and... Marion is a fascinating character because she's like the overlooked housewife and she's going through some of her, every, everybody's going through their own problems and you'll have little moments where they seem like they might start to notice each other and how that could help. And then it's like they make it worse or they just sort of like slide by like ships in the night. And, it does, and so... <laughs> Really, the whole novel feels like the first seventy percent. Like they're about to, con- they're like they're gonna converge. It's gonna, they're gonna fix. They're gonna, you know, redeem each other. And then it's like, boom! Like what just happened? Like all of a sudden, you're just looking back, and it's like, no, all the characters are scattered back out again, and it seems irreconcilable. Like it's just like, Wah. so it. <laughs> It's, you know, it's a hard, it's 500 pages, 600 pages almost. And, but I mean, it moves fast. It's certainly not like super deep, but it just kind of, I don't know. I kept thinking like, surely some of these characters will redeem each other and they really just don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's got some really great themes, all of the, the selfishness and like the loneliness that comes with the selfishness. Um, like a mega, like kind of an early mega church, and how when you have a church that's big enough, and you like the problems of having like enough of one age group to be like its own weird like culty. Like the youth group has like a real culty vibe and is weird and was interesting because I grew up in a mega church, so it it kind of I was like, oh wow, this really it was like everything that made me so uncomfortable about church by the time I got to youth group. Um, <laughs> cause just like group think. Yeah. And, um, and then like a lot of the stuff about like mental illness and like a stigma and the guilt around it and how that like compounds family problems and like weird, like blame issues of stuff that's like, they just need help. And yeah. like, and the mom's not dealing with it. So then her kids aren't dealing with it. And then she's hiding it from her husband. So her husband's not dealing with it. And like, everybody's oh, wow. just not dealing with their stuff and then to watch that refracted through the children is interesting I mean that's like the classic family deal and I feel like that's Jonathan Franzen's deal sort of um I read Purity um is the only other one I read by him and but I didn't remember I remember the characters doing things that felt like they were making a bad decision but it had this like inevitability and they didn't feel like at their core they were irredeemable okay they just felt like they're people caught up in this circumstance, so they're making these bad decisions. Okay, okay. This felt like none of these circumstances are that bad. Like, why are you making these terrible decisions? Like, these, 
they felt like just really bad people. <laughs> like not and not like in a big dramatic sort of a way. Like it just in like a small localized family next door. <laughs> Why are we drawn to that? I mean, look at how we've changed like Breaking Bad and Ozarks oh, right. and Yes. Everyone's dysfunctional. But what happened to the then, Brady Bunch? It's like where... such a nice dramatic I mean, I don't know, there's something cathartic about like oh they're actually like murdering it's like they're not even doing anything they're just not paying attention to each other so it's just ugly oh. it's like hard to just oh, watch okay, okay. the pages of like a family just like at some fundamental level not loving each other oh. <laughs> it's just like really horrible but obviously of everything that I read this winter it really stuck with me there it is so I think that I don't know I think it's interesting um I haven't read the corrections. It's so funny because after I read Purity, I'm like, I gotta read the corrections because that's like his most right. known. And I was like, I should read the corrections. <laughs> I probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you but will. But I liked I liked Purity better, and that was like more like modern, like computer. T- it's like the WikiLeaks guy, and but um, this was like the '70s and. I don't know. It was it was definitely interesting, but it re- it irritated me. Okay. <laughs> and look for that one on the shelf. So of yeah, the, of what we're reading. Yeah. <laughs> With that endorsement. <laughs> I am very proud, actually, Christina, that you're able to say when you like or dislike a book because I used to be. No, I shouldn't say I used to be. I still am notorious. A friend of mine pointed out to me that whenever we would start a book club I'd be like oh and I just I love this book and she said do you ever hate it because then like of course three people in the book club would say I hated it and I and I just say oh that's fine (laughs) so I've been trying really hard to be like did I really love it did I really like it am I just you know so wanting to support this person who sat down and typed or hand wrote all these very many letters and words and want them to feel supported and loved which <laughs> yes. is really not my job <laughs> but, but right yeah. um so I'm gonna yeah I think I'm gonna now for the next one I'm gonna find a book I didn't like and talk about it oh, bravely and be honest yes and it will be liberate myself <laughs> from my and let the floodgates open mentality. <laughs> yes. the Oh, if we yeah. taint you, if like the next 10 you come and you're like, well, I hated this one. It was like 16 <laughs> books. All of these awful. Like, Use oh, we created a like monster. A That's all they're good for. <laughs> no, we're all about Midwestern nice, so you don't have that worry. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's see. So lately, I have been really into nonfiction, which is interesting. And I've always been really obsessed with, I guess, primary sources I went down this huge rabbit hole with Summit Memory. It was supposed to be very simple. Make a Richfield display, go to Summit Memory, find some photos, and then it was like two hours later, and I'm like leapfrogging through the Acme Beacon Journal collection. And I was like, okay, this is not going to happen, moving on. Um, so my dad is an artist, and as a child, I used to be fascinated because he would have these books, some of which he'd bind himself, just filled with his writing and drawing, and I thought this was so cool. So of course, I read Anne Frank's diary, and she actually had something to say. And upon starting my own diary, it was a Little Mermaid diary, <laughs> by the way, $2.99. Um, I realized, wow, I have absolutely nothing to say. <laughs> and I know this for a fact, because when I was 15, I went back and I shred, thank God, 
all of my diaries because I read them with like just totally mortified I was like wow no oh no I have sadly a very good memory for the written word and I wish it wasn't my own because I was like wow I remember whole passages and all I can think is "Mm." Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. That was important to you. <laughs> I think even as I was writing, I was aware, eh, this is not exactly, yeah. you know, the level of Toni Morrison. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Such a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but I love reading um, primary sources or just excerpts from people's journals. So I also love letter writing, and I think that that has to do with my grandmother um, who I used to write lots of letters to, especially after I went away to school. And to my actual delight, because she's not a very sentimental person, she actually kept them all, which was really funny. I mean, I couldn't open this drawer in her room, and I was like, what is up with this? What's wrong with it? And I, like, yank it, and those letters just come, like, she's like Harry Potter getting his Hogwarts letter, you know, they're, like, flying around the room. Um, so there's this really great book by um, Simon Garfield. I have it in front of me. I don't know why I said um. And <laughs> it's called To the Letter. And it's a celebration of the lost art of letter writing. And this sounds like it would be very dry, but it is one of those nonfictions where you really want to read it. It's very dynamic and engaging, and he has excerpts from letters just throughout time. And there's there's like one very beautiful one, which I'm going to paraphrase, where um, this woman's husband died. And this was like, I think back during like, I want to say it's like BC, but... Don't quote me on that, because I read this during a snowstorm. And it was just this really fraught letter where her husband had passed away, and she I guess, left this letter with him that said, you know, how could you die and leave me here alone? And just, like, the power of language and words throughout time and um, how we tend to look back at photographs or paintings that seem so far away, but human experience has all these commonalities and connections. Um, so Garfield traces letter writing, of course, from the beginning of time to now, and the very interesting places we found letters, like in dumps or places that used to be like Roman bathrooms because they would reuse the paper as oh jeez so um, <laughs> I just realized that that probably is not very interesting can't um, reuse a tweet that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah though you not. want to even though we want to <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just really fascinating um, how people stayed connected and told their stories um, through these letters and how they were preserved or not preserved, the kind of mundane everyday facts that you can learn from them. Um, and then from there, I've read a lot of other journals, like ranging from like Tatiana Romanoff's um, <laughs> to also the, like, the Princess Diaries by Carrie Fisher. I really love Carrie Fisher because she's, I should say was, an amazing, amazing mm-hmm. woman. My favorite quote by her is, resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. (laughs) I may have paraphrased that, so no no suing for copyright infringement. Um, But just that when people diary or journal, they're giving you this just unvarnished look into their emotional state or what they're thinking and feeling. And I think that's incredibly beautiful because, um, like I love that Christina mentioned, dysfunction like in Crossroads is that humans tend to put on this front around other people or they could be going through something terrible or something incredibly happy and not share it but in your diary or your journal or even a letter it's just this whole other look at their life and that's helpful for a biographer but I think as a human reading other people's experiences in that way breaks down of course those barriers and helps you cope and move forward or just laugh like a lot of Carrie Fisher's things of course are you know hilarious she was so good at being very sharp and witty about things that were potentially very traumatic. So I have been really enjoying the rabbit hole of nonfiction journal reading again. Um, 
And yeah, that has been my latest, my latest obsession, shall we say. And I believe in letter writing, guys. Please write letters. <laughs> they're fun. Yeah. They're beautiful. Postcards. Yeah. And that's, that's my, my obsession right now. That's what I've been doing during the snowstorm. Reading the words of others and thinking, ah, I need to become more interesting. <laughs> so let's see that one. So you brought, what is this one called again? Go To the Letter. To the Letter. A Celebration of the Lost Art of Letter Writing by Simon Garfield. And it is a very neat book. And he even has some images of the letters or um, pe- people's handwriting, um, the way people would design things. Yeah, there are lots of facsimiles or how people would write over. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Over everything. So it's, a really, it's really cleverly done how he did it because it's not just a straight history of letter writing. He also talks about the style, the use of paper. He, like we use envelopes. People would use the paper itself as the envelope oh, and write all over yeah. it. Yeah, I just... So what does he say about today? Because it's almost a lost art. We're all just chatting and texting and... And using email. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that in terms of, well, archives. You know, like, I know like the National Archives obviously is trying to cope with archiving digital media, which is incredibly difficult. Right. But it does make you wonder, you know, how often do you go through your Gmail and just delete, delete, delete in a way that maybe you wouldn't mass delete if you had a box of letters. Right. Like my mom has literal boxes of letters and they're in boxes so she sort of sometimes mentions them but they just sit there and they're not in her line of sight so (laughs) there's all this letterish stuff um (laughs) but what does that mean for today when um we are not in putting in traditional writing you know things at the the way that we used to or it's accessibility because of privacy laws and Mm. you know when you text somebody something who owns your words yes you can screen cap but like how do you then get all of your messages, you know, as a transcript, it's very, very interesting what it's done to how we communicate and understand each other and the context, I suppose, of how we understand people's lives later, especially, um, because it's not really just about famous people, is it? I think that's what's interesting about To The Letter is that most of these people, some of these people are very famous, but others, it's just everyday yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and that's actually where you get the most information about a time period, yes. right? Or, how people were interacting. I mean, I love my grandmother, but she's not famous. Yeah, <laughs> but yet I mine from her so much information about the 30s or the 40s or what she was experiencing. Um, and that's where you get primary sources, right, from just everyday people. Like my summit memory obsession, a lot of those photographs are not like professional oh, yeah. photographs or photographers. They're um, my understanding from reading a lot of the, the donation things is that they're from individual people who happen to be photographing on that particular day or interested. And that's really cool that we are all historians. So that should be like a PSA. Write letters, everyone. Yeah. Preserve your history. Everyone wants to know that today you went to the grocery store right. and could not find plums. <laughs> <laughs> or toilet paper. <laughs> or toilet paper. <laughs> well, Mac Love talked about that in his when he had him as a special guest, collecting stories and photographs. Not necessarily, I don't know how much he got letter writing, but just recording everyday stories. So, and then that becomes years from now fascinating. So, thank you. I look forward to seeing those on our um, shelf, our what we're reading shelf in the library. Um, it has everything that we have ever done on the podcast, on the shelf. Well, not everything. We, right. we only have so much space to put. We do our best. <laughs> Christina, you the really tide mind. comes in and it goes, it goes back. back. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so 
So uh, the book, I I have two. Um, one was right, I read right when we were uh, closing down season two, and I had to wait for season three to bring this one up. It's called The Power of Little Ideas by David Robertson. And uh, I actually did it as an um, e, uh, e-book or e-audio, I should say. And this one got me excited because I was talking to one of our um, permanent subs who comes around and he, was, he wants to start a space for staff, on Dis- or it's already created, I should say, on Discord. And he wants to create like a creative corner, like, are there any projects our subs and are, are seeing or any ideas the whole system wants to throw up on Discord and have other people look at it or just what we find interesting. And as I said, this one got me excited because I, I thought this would book would be like, if we did a book discussion, this would be our opening book is to, um, why I liked it is the power of little ideas, the the core is he's saying you got to stick to your core product. You got to stick to what you know, and you got to innovate around that one core product. The minute you start adding, 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 adding other things, you get distracted. Um, you become weaker in a way because you're so distracted. You lose focus, and then your consumer has no idea what you are anymore. So um, he gave an example of a sports drink. He said they were known for being a fitness drink, and then all of a sudden they got into other drinks. And it's like, no, the the core people who were loyal to you were the athletes, and uh, you can diversify and do, um, like, athletic bars. They'll buy into that, but the minute you get into, like, almost sugary pops and it's not kickstart but like a very you know they're like no this isn't part of the core um so it just made me think about um libraries are known for books and information it's like we have such a great built-in brand people recognize who we are and um we try to be so many things to so many people through need, I think, we're trying to fill in a gap, but we have to be very intentional um, about what we do. And it just got me to thinking, it's like, oh yes, I, if I'm gonna start anything here at the library, I better be very intentional that it harkens back to our core. And he talks about, you know, disrupting, disrupting is very risky. Everyone talks about, you wanna be disruptive. That's like the key word. No, it is so risky to be disruptive. And sometimes what what looks like disruption or, you know, pow, it just landed on the on the market. It took years of building a core. He mentions the iPod. The iPod was disruptive, but it took years and years and years in the making. And it was very loyal to the to the brand, to the core. And, you know, all about, go ahead, grand pivoting. Oh, right. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. So that's, like, not even disruptive. That's just introducing a new product. Yeah. That's just doing your job. Oh. Yeah. Because <laughs> it drives me crazy when how we use disruptive now. Disruptive because and Because I, I just imagine a kid having a full-on tantrum. And it's like, this this is something we're striving oh, yeah. for is that tantrum? Yeah. Like, that's so Silicon Valley to me. <laughs> like, more tantrums. 
That's hysterical. <laughs> More money behind the tantrums. Like, no, why? What are we thinking? Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, oh. You know, didn't have wires anymore. You were able to withstand that emotionally when suddenly there were no cords connecting you to your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. I can't do the no cords. I can't do the no cords. I think they're gonna follow my ear. I can't. I can't stick things in my ear anymore. I used to wear the buds. I can't do it anymore. I don't know if my ear got smaller. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. But I'm like somehow, yeah. Like all through high school and I college, it was like yeah, the earbuds. And then I uh, like a year or two after I graduated college, was, I was like going to put my earbuds in one time, and I'm just like. <laughs> This is so uncomfortable. Why am I doing this? Oh, that's interesting. I've yeah. gone to over the ear and I haven't looked back. <laughs> Proof of evolution. Your ears are like, I'm rejecting that technology. Yeah. Yeah. This thing analog. Or your ears were just like, I was at the store and I saw those amazing headphones that go over your ears. What cheap stuff are you putting in me? Yeah. I'm not going to let you put this in here anymore. You go buy those other cushy headphones. Yeah. I want headphones. 1970s headphones. The big, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Natalie so. Portman yeah the, oh <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the top of a car with your big headphones on <laughs> oh gosh well yeah See, the power disruptive disruptive Here it's we are. disruptive <laughs> slap small... i need a slap on the wrist <laughs> so um and i you know we've been reading a lot about mission creep and um i thought this keeps you from mission creep and it just keeps you in line so i, I really like the power of little ideas sometimes just tweaking a little bit is all you need to do so i thought that was uh, to me it was like reassuring coming out of a pan- pandemic um you know we are all we are all looking forward to great new things mm-hmm and I think I was getting wrapped up on the fact that I couldn't think of anything great or new or different or shocking. And I thought, it's okay. I, maybe that's what it is. It's okay. It could be a small little thing. Right. Imagine it's- books. That's the pitch. <laughs> yeah. It's solid. It's, it is solid. It's held up. <laughs> it's held up really well. <laughs> books around since, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we never run out of battery life. So... Yeah. So that was, um, it still has, I'm still thinking about that book. That book still has me, like you said, it's still stuck, mm. even though I read it how many weeks ago. And the second one I'm going to talk about today, um, I, I'm bringing it forward because it has, it's a tie into the great resignation or the great retention. Um, and it's called Career Moves, Take Charge of Your Training Career Now by Cynthia Williams and Annabelle Reitman, and it came out in 2013. Now, a little disclaimer, you don't have to be going into the training field to understand what they're talking about. I think it's a great book if you wanna keep on top of your own training. And this is a book where um, I will eat my words. This is the one and only time I will eat my words, but don't judge it for its publication date because we always say like business books and everything can get dated, especially anything around or before the Great Recession. It just seems like that happened so long ago. But she surfaces trends in this book. And what I found so scary in chapter one where she surfaces these trends is that you take out the word recession and you put in post-pandemic, and the trend is like, mm. and there's a trend. Mm. There it is again. 
here it is, just in a different format. Um, and of course, the um, biggest trend is upskilling and, and keeping yourself fresh and, re and relevant and how that um, will curtail burnout because it gives you options and it makes it keeps you sharp um it's a lot of work it's a lot of work on on your part um i think that's what i'm going through right now as i'm looking you and i are christina you and i are looking at like what else can i add to my repertoire of of skills <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going back to school perhaps um what else can we do add add to what we already have and, uh, and this book talks about, you know, come up with a plan of how you want to address that because time, time, who has time? If you are working a full-time job, the resources of recertifying yourself, going back to school, but she just drills it in and it makes me nervous. She brings up, this point is called the yo-yo. You're on your own. You're on your own for upskilling yourself, and skill rot is happening so fast. You are on your own to keep up with it. And that, that was different for me. I'm like, yeah, you're right, because I've been feeling like, why am I on my own with this? And it's Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember having, like, a moment, I don't know, probably right before the pandemic of, like, Yes. One's going to just tap me on the shoulder and say, you should do this yes. or that. You know, like, yes. do this now. <laughs> like, that, I don't know. I didn't realize that I was kind of thinking that way. I was too. I definitely, I, I was feeling burnout before the pandemic and then the pandemic. Same. And it just kind of, like, this winter, I kept, like, somehow it wasn't registering that it had been, it's like two years. It's not one year. Like, my whole sense of time is all thrown off. So... I think it's just been a really interesting spring to be like, okay, pick up where you left off a little mm -hmm. bit. But mm -hmm. like, it's a good time to reevaluate. The world has really shifted in yes. the last two years. Yes. I feel like it's, you know, lots of things have accelerated, other things paused. I don't know that all of it's bad in a lot of ways. A lot of it's been good. Um, but just like, yeah, things that I thought I had researched or had a firm handle on before the pandemic, look into it again. It's changed. It might have changed on you <laughs> seemingly overnight. So I'm trying to think of what I'm, it, it's almost like someone shook a box and things that I was looking at for the longest time got buried and new things surfaced, new opportunities. Yeah. yeah. I feel like when did all this, when did, oh, this career looks interesting. Yeah. Still in the library field. I don't mean to alarm anybody, but right. you know, like still in the library field, I'm not going, you know. Um, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, oh like, that's interesting. Right. Or like, what, you know, we're, how we're thinking about programs with, um, you know, what people are comfortable doing on the computer. This is what we've been saying for at least a decade. Oh, you know, programs are going to be online. Meetings are going to be online. And it just, it was like everyone stalled out. Everyone was just dragging their feet. And then pandemic Damn. hits and it's like, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Disruption. Guess who all learned Zoom <laughs> real fast. Like... <laughs> So some of that, you know, does create new opportunities where it's like, it's not an unreasonable ask now to have people sign up for programs or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of thing really does help you plan better. I don't know. It, shift, it shifted things in weird ways. Yes. It like, yes. In a lot of ways, it feels like 
it didn't drag us into the future as much as it drug us into what we thought was going to be the future 10 years yes. ago. Like we got I feel caught like we're up here. Finally. I feel like we're here. The, like I said, the trends that she pinpointed in 2012, 13, they're here now. They're here. And what have you done to get ready for it? Right. I'm like, oh, I kept thinking it was, we saw oh, the future. That's like it's 20, never coming. 30. It's never coming. The future's coming. never coming. It's, it, oh, what is that called when you think the future is never coming? It's like scenario planning. Yeah. You're just never ready for it. It and feels it's like, like yeah. it's here. And then you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would say if anyone's interested in, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like you have skill rot, that's what I'm calling it, mm-hmm. and you're feeling like you're on your own, and there's a reason why you're feeling on your own, I got this one from out of the system. It came from uh, a university library, so mm-hmm. this particular ca- copy came from Xavier. So thank you, Ohio Link, for sending uh, Career Moves and... That, those are my two books. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, we can get books from other library systems in the state of Ohio, as well as university libraries in the state of Ohio. And you can do that at home through our website. But if you want us to show you, come on in. Sounds good. All right, I can't wait to talk about more, more episodes and more books. I got a whole bunch. We, all, we have so you. many books. We all have so many books. I'm boxing myself in. It's been recorded. Books we don't like. It's going to happen. We're going to have valid reasons. I'm going to be honest. And poetry. Talk about poetry. I got to get going on that. (laughs) I'm not a poetry reader. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you, Christina and Kat. Christina, you want to take us home for our our episode? The Richfield Branch Library is a branch of the Akron Summit County Public Library. Our theme music is Examples by Ketza and is made available to us through a Creative Commons license on the free music archive. Woohoo! Season 3 is good to be back.